Welcome to the Reality of Herbal Therapy podcast. Today we have a special treat. We're joined by Link and Cheryl Summers, owners of Pro Oxygen. And Dr. James has some questions and wants to share with you what they do. So Pro Oxygen, I like that name. Um, we're introduced to oxygen all day long, and, and very few of us understand the benefits of oxygen. First off, why do you think our, our environment was built with so much oxygen? Well, it's because it's necessary for our health. It's necessary for our, our immune system. Uh, but today, it's uh, our sources of oxygen are getting limited and limited uh, as far as the purity of it. Um, I've been aware of hyperbarics. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the history of hyperbarics. I've been aware of hyperbarics as, as an alternative healthcare practitioner for years and years and have really wished that I had the ability to do hyperbarics. Well, we do, especially here in this market here in Albuquerque. Uh, hyperbarics, I believe, right now, if you go into go to a hospital, it's going to run you about $2,500 of treatment, if I'm not wrong. That's true. And, which is just almost inordinate, uh, you know, if you're pulling that out of your pocket. But Pro-Oxygen is here in Albuquerque. Their treatments are... Uh, an hour and a half long because you're throwing pressure up and then pressure in the tank and then pressure down because they don't want to pop your eardrums and stuff like that. And they take about an hour and a half. It's about a, an hour too long for me. <laughs> I, I, I don't stay put very long. So uh, I've got Link and Cheryl here and we're just going to ask them some questions. We're going to give Link a, uh, an opportunity and Cheryl an opportunity to give us a background on why the heck they're even involved in hyperbarics and the virtues. So, Link, can you give us a little history about hyperbarics? Sure. Well, one of the first things is that um, we've known about hyperbaric oxygen, not oxygen, but hyperbaric air for about 300 years. Which is pressure. Yeah, just pressure. The the benefits of pressure. And uh, there were some uh, folks in France who had a spa and somehow they stumbled on this, and so they constructed these airtight wooden buildings that had huge bellows. And so they'd have a bunch of men out pumping these bellows, sort of like a blacksmith shop, pumping air and creating pressure inside these wooden buildings, and people would say they felt better. And that was just ambient air. Just ambient air. And in fact, if you, it's just some math problem about if you compress air so that it's half the volume of uh, it was that it was increased atmospheric pressure by two, you get twice as many oxygen molecules in the same volume. That's kind of technical stuff, but the fact is you do get a benefit even from compressed air uh, as long as it's applied to your whole body. You and that was in the early 1800s, 1900s? Yeah, yeah, back in 1800s. Right. And then they built a couple of surgical hospitals and did the same thing, and then it kind of phased in and out of favor and then when World War I came along, you had airplanes and you had submarines, and the military pretty much took over hyperbaric oxygen. Joseph Priestley discovered oxygen uh, about a, a little over 100 years ago, 150 years ago. So then they began to understand what role oxygen played as opposed to air and just pressure. So then we go through this long period of time up until about the 1950s, uh, at which time offshore oil well drilling in the Gulf of Mexico started taking place big time. And what happened is scuba divers would have to go repair things deep underwater and they would get injured. They would be rushed to the surface 
to do surgery or whatever, and they would get the bins. Um, what the heck is the bins? Well, the bins maybe the oxygen it, stuff going it on. Comes from, well, the air you breathe is seventy eight percent nitrogen. Uh, it's about twenty one percent, twenty percent oxygen, twenty one percent, and then there's some other gases, argon, other types of gases that are in the atmosphere. So you're principally breathing nitrogen. Well, that nitrogen gets trapped inside your tissues. If you decompress too rapidly, then those bubbles start uh, forming together into larger bubbles in your tissues, and that's not good. Well, with I'm going to take you off point here. Yeah. But, but there's another point I want to make. <laughs> is that your unit right now will create one and a half atmospheres? Well, we start off with one. one. Remember, just... The air, you're walking around and you're at one atmosphere right now. The weight of all the air from now all the way up to 150,000 feet is weighing on you as you walk around here. At sea level. Is that why I'm so heavy? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the oxygen, huh? No, it's that. But no, you think about if, if you have 150,000 feet of air, it weighs something, not very much. So at sea level, it weighs 14.7 pounds. That's the amount of pressure you're getting from all that air on top of you. Now think about it. If you were doing that with water, the pressure would be much greater. If you were under 150,000 feet of water, uh, well, you'd be crushed. But anyway, it, uh, the pressure would be much greater because water is obviously much more dense than air. So it, how the band starts, you know, the divers that went way down there in the ocean and that kind of stuff, how many atmospheres were they at? that you begin to have a blood gas problem with? Every 33, every 33 feet is one atmosphere. Okay? okay. So if a diver goes to 33 feet, he's now at at the level of the ocean, it's one atmosphere, so he's now at two atmospheres at 33 feet. 66 feet, he's at three atmospheres. So at, so at 33 feet, is there a problem with that bends? Marginally. Bends. If, okay. you, if Let's say you came to the surface in like three seconds or ten seconds, yes, you, you would begin to experience the difficulties because the nitrogen doesn't have time to get assimilated into your bloodstream and um, that's why we bring you up slowly. And what I was saying about these scuba divers is because they had to be rushed up because of trauma, something blew up 200 feet underwater or whatever and they were severely damaged. They'd rush them to the surface and as soon as they get through fixing them, they would stick them in a hyperbaric chamber to bring them, take them back down and then bring them up very gradually. Okay, now to my point. Yes. <laughs> After we beat around that bush. Right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that rather yeah. lengthy explanation. You all, oh, no, I wanted that and everybody appreciates that. But the point is, in your unit, we are only at 16, we about 16 feet underwater. 16 feet of seawater. So, yes. so there's no chance of that kind of stuff in this no. in this chamber no. at all? No, okay. you're not going to get the so. bends, even if we had to bring you out in a severe emergency. Uh, I, I can't think of what that would be, but let's say we had Two to bring... Two sticking hot in a tube. Well, no. the, the worst, I mean, let's say the whole building, you know, we have an Irish pub next door, and let's say they something happened in an Irish pub. Um, and the whole building, the whole Saint, building was threatened. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and we had to bring you up really, really quickly. Even then, we would have to talk about your ears, clearing your ears, but you wouldn't suffer any uh, decompression. And, and that's what I wanted to make right. the point of. Yeah, it's very safe. Here's the thing: is that we found out over a period of time that a half an atmosphere, which is what we do, a half an atmosphere above ambient. 95% of the things that respond to hyperbaric oxygen respond at that that level of pressure. 
you don't have to go to a greater level of pressure for it to be therapeutic. And this is almost everything that involves rehabilitation, where you're getting over something. If you have an acute problem, let's say you have acute carbon monoxide poisoning and you're uh, five minutes away from dying, then other facilities, which are medical facilities, would take you up to 2.4 atmospheres, or maybe as high as three. Uh, because again, you're right at death's door. Trying to drive, drive that out of the tissue. Right, right. Or let's say you were in a severe car wreck and you were bleeding to death. Uh, they would carry you to a higher pressure to make sure they got enough oxygen to all your tissues. But for what we do, which is wellness and therapy, helping you get over a condition, a medical condition, heal up faster, uh, a half an atmosphere is sufficient. Because... And really, the difference is in pressure is just how long it takes to saturate your tissues. I tell people it's sort of like a sponge. You can do it slowly or you can do it very rapidly, but sooner or later you're going to get saturated. And in a half an atmosphere, it takes about an hour for all your tissues to get saturated. Uh, so there's really no benefit for us going to a higher pressure level for what we do. So And, and also in the, in the, I call it the tube. I right. try, when I do this, I, I take I try to take a nap, but that's right. pretty hard to do sometimes. You you all, we also have a, a, an oxygen mask on. Correct. There's two there's two different ways to do this. Okay. A lot of the hospitals flood the entire tube with oxygen, so you're in this 100 percent oxygen environment, and when you're in that environment, fire risk becomes huge. Oh yeah. Um, when we deliver the oxygen, you're only breathing oxygen through a mask. The rest of the chamber is, is pressurized with medically filtered air. It's completely clean, completely breathable, but it's not oxygen, it's just regular air. Uh, and so that reduces our fire risk. And so that was one of the safety features we had. And the fire marshal also wanted us to, instead of storing huge canisters of oxygen here in the building next to an Irish pub, uh, they thought it was a good idea for us to use oxygen concentrators to provide the oxygen. And so, which is just as effective. Yes, it, it's oxygen just, is oxygen, it's just, and if it's ninety-two percent or it's ninety-six percent or a hundred percent, that small difference, uh, your body is not going to go. Oh, I'm sorry, it's all or none. It doesn't work that way. And the difference between the tank is, it's just you full have oxygen, and a separator just makes it. On, uh, as you go. And so you don't have any storage issues. And again, uh, you know, if you think about it, you have a bunch of compressed oxygen. Um, if, uh, you know, we're, this delivering, very, we're delivering 92% oxygen. In so the that's chambers. what your concentrator That's what the concentrator does. But, when you, but you think about it, when you do um, a tank with compressed oxygen in it, you have several thousand cubic feet of oxygen compressed into the size of the tank. And if that tank gets damaged... That's why they're heavy-duty uh, construction and with safety features. But if for some reason one of them uh, breaks, or, or you know, then you have an enormous amount of oxygen and a really large fire risk. And so it's just better to make it as you go for our type of facility. And the point is, this facility is very safe. Yes, Now, absolutely. one of the things, I, I've done hyperbarics here. Uh, I'm a regular. It, I want it for good health and things like that. One of the things that I've noticed is that, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. If I was a rooster, they would already have been replaced out of the hen house. <laughs> um, and my skin is a little thinner than, than it used to be. And, and I used to have, occasionally I would get those 
little blood spots, a lack of vitamin C and things like that. But since I've been doing hyperbarics, I have none of that. Yeah, well, what happens is every tissue in your body runs on oxygen. Uh, you brought that up a little earlier about what happens, you know, if there weren't oxygen. There are other organisms, anaerobic bacteria, which don't use oxygen. They may use sulfur or some other compound for their respiration, but we use oxygen. We've evolved over a period of time that we use oxygen, and every cell in your body runs on oxygen. And that's where the actual energy transfer takes place, is using oxygen in a part of every cell called a mitochondria. And so these are located everywhere, and some of your cells have lots and lots of mitochondria. For instance, they found that there are different sizes of mitochondria, for instance, in the tail of a rattlesnake, because it rattles so fast, it has larger mitochondria than other mammals do in, in their cells. So it can keep up that quiver, huh? And we think probably hummingbird, the muscles in hummingbirds' chests and all these, you know, where you have uh, high-speed movement, uh, they have larger mitochondria. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But this is where the actual energy transfer takes place, and it's not sugar or fat that you derive the energy from, it's the actual transfer of energy from oxygen in the mitochondria that utilizes those compounds. Okay, and those get metabolized into your system and replace your cells and do the other things for function that your body does. But it's oxygen where all your energy comes from and we can't store it. You, you know, if you go without oxygen for three or four minutes, things begin to look kind of bleak. Uh, you can go for several days without water and, and you know, close to a month without food but not so with oxygen. And again, we have no way to store oxygen in our bodies. So, and this is why breathing is so important. And this is why, by the way, for new mothers, it's very important to teach your children how to breathe. There, there is very little education to the public about breathing. That's exactly right. You know, I've, I've, I've done some of these seminars on breathing and, oh, phenomenal things happen just by breathing. But just... I mean, you can come crawl in a tube here and have that, have that, uh, have that happen right then, and you can just be as lazy as you want to be. Well, there's a little difference, and one of the things you mentioned about um, about sleeping is that's a pretty good indicator to us of how what level of hypoxia different people are at. Hypoxia being shortage of oxygen, and because we live at altitude, and as people get older, their blood vessels get a little more brittle, less permeable to the oxygen. A lot of other things happen, people start getting hypoxic. And so if you go in the chamber and you immediately fall to sleep, that usually indicates to us that you're somewhat hypoxic. And I will mention here, uh, herbal MSM will help the permeability of the cells. Right. Um, to, to another point, I mentioned my skin. Now, one of the uses that is approved by the FDA for hyperbarics is uh, treatment of diabetic sores. Correct. Or wounds. Right. There are several things. Well, why? What's the deal there? What, what? Diabetes, one of, the, one of the problems that's caused by diabetes is circulatory system problems. You can have diabetic retinopathy. That is where your retina of your eye is not getting enough oxygen, so you can have diabetic blindness. That responds well to hyperbaric oxygen because, again, when we pressurize, we put you in the chamber and you're pressurized, there's an interesting thing that happens. Ordinarily, your blood, your red blood cells, carry all the oxygen in your body. There is no other mechanism involved. When you breathe, there's a transfer in your lungs into the red blood cells, and if your hemoglobin is healthy, you don't have iron deficiency anemia, something like that, you don't have lung problems, 
you don't have heart problems or other kinds of circulatory system problems, then the red blood cells go out to wherever you have uh, capillaries and they drop off the oxygen. When you do hyperbaric oxygen, that's somewhat bypassed because, because of the physics of pressure and oxygen, a gas and a liquid, your blood, the oxygen actually dissolves in your blood plasma, not just your red blood cells. It also dissolves in your cerebrospinal fluid, in your joint fluid, your synovial fluid, and in your interstitial fluid that bathes all your cells in your body everywhere uh, in this liquid. So now you get 10 to 15 times as much oxygen from hyperbaric oxygen as you can from breathing, even if you're breathing pure oxygen. So now this pushes oxygen all the way out to your skin, which is why your skin looks better. Women like it because, you know, it actually does get oxygen to your skin. Plastic surgeons like to use it because it reduces scarring. Okay? And again, all of your tissues, like your brain, uses the most oxygen. It uses about 30% of the oxygen uh, that you take in. Your heart and your liver are right behind that, and your kidneys are right behind that in kind of the priority of things. But all of your tissues run on oxygen. So this is why it's very important that, number one, you get as much oxygen to your tissues as possible. That means exercise. And I want to go back to the breathing. I suggest to, uh, like when Cheryl and I had our daughter, uh, she, she did all the work, but uh, the first night when we came home, uh, we took, you, come on, admit you hyperventilated. Oh, oh, of course I hyperventilated. <laughs> but, but the first night we came home, I took her daughter and laid her on my chest, and we breathed together all night long. Because you're not born knowing how to breathe. And a lot of people, you can sometimes hear this from the way a baby cries, you know, whether they <laughs> cry, and the same way with laughter. Some people have kind of a, a short, and then other people have full-throated laughter or full-throated, um, uh, you know, breathing too. And so you want to teach your child early on to breathe really deeply because it'll serve them well for the rest of their life. Shallow breathing is not a good thing. And I don't care what age you are, you can learn to breathe better. I think a lot of us shallow breathe because there's so much stress in the world. It's our mechanism, our mechanism of hiding. Exactly right. You know, when, when you're playing hide-and-go-seek, mm-hmm. you know, you get to the place you're going to hide, and you're trying to calm down your breathing and your heart and all that kind of stuff, and you're trying not to breathe so they don't want to hear you. They're not going to hear your stinking breathing. But, mm-hmm. you you know, subconsciously, I think we, we try to not breathe so that we're not, hey, come over here and do this for me, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, it's like, you know, Ida Roth, you know, who was the, the person out at Esalen who did the roughing uh, technique for... Um, for adhesions between the muscles, kind of an interesting thing about body posture, is there are a lot of people who start stooping. Somewhere along the way, their shoulders start moving forward, and I tell people, pull your shoulders back, stand up straight, get your head up, look out, don't be looking down, and start breathing deep. If your shoulders are all stooped over, you're going to have a hard time taking in the full capacity of your lungs. So part of your lungs are not going to get used very much, and of course, if you don't use it, you lose it. So the idea is do some exercise, whatever level, doesn't have to be strenuous, just to get your circulation going, and then breathe deep, and just stop, I don't care what you're doing, we had a police detective who comes here, and uh, he has a rough job, a lot of stress, as you might imagine, and we talked to him and said, look, no matter what's happening, you can afford 20 seconds a couple of times a day. Take 20 seconds and just stop, turn everything off, and breathe. 
And his life got better almost instantly because it gave him just enough of a break and made him conscious of the fact that he needs to breathe and that this is very important for him, uh, you know, as far as reducing stress, but also just getting oxygen into your body. Because when you're not breathing, you're not getting oxygen in, and remember, 30% goes to your brain, so that means <laughs> you're not thinking that clearly. Well, what if you have a really big brain? It's more than 30%. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Okay, we get, we've got wound healing is right. by the FDA. I'd like uh, to go into that. What else? One other thing about wound healing. Okay is when you have diabetes, because you have circulatory problems, the areas of your body that are notoriously poorly served by circulation are your knees and your ankles. If you're a man, your prostate doesn't have a very good blood supply either. So what happens is those nerves over the period of time tend to, because they don't have enough oxygen, degenerate, so you lose sensation in your extremities. And so folks who have diabetes tend to run into things because they don't feel it. And so they get a wound on their ankle or their knee, and they don't even realize they've damaged themselves. And then that doesn't heal because they don't tend to it. Then it gets bad enough, they go to hyperbaric oxygen. Another example of treating a wound that won't heal is Michael Jackson. People forget that Michael Jackson was doing a, a commercial for Pepsi-Cola, and they basically set his hair on fire with a, a, a firework of some sort. But the Jews And Yeah, I mean, here he was at the height of his career doing... Oof. And then they set him on fire, and then they didn't want to pay him or do anything else. So he had a third-degree burn to his scalp that wouldn't heal. And so they put him in a hyperbaric chamber, just like one of the ones we have here, and his wound healed up. And, of course, the press went on to say, oh, he wants to live forever and all this. Well, there are some anti-aging benefits from doing hyperbaric oxygen, although they're not approved by the FDA. We do see benefits, like you were saying, to your skin, but also to your brain. There are a lot of experiments going on now about traumatic brain injury because of all the war business. Uh, but uh, traumatic brain injuries do respond to hyperbaric oxygen. You get your oxygen level up. Uh, some of your neurons will respond and regrow or heal uh, that have been turned off by a concussion or other things. Just by the discussion we've had with oxygen, it's obvious that oxygen helps every part of the body. I mean, why, why would we have so much of that available to us in our atmosphere? Now, you told me, I mean, I've heard this story that, that I want you to retell again uh, when I've been around you guys about uh, disaster uh, situations and an individual being there with a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, can you right. tell us a little bit about that? Well, it was kind of interesting. I went to medical school a long time ago and was not overly enthusiastic about using chemicals for everything, uh, that is, pharmaceuticals. Or uh, That's why I'm an angel yeah, and, my, and, and my surgeon friends used to say, you know, if it's in the bucket, it can't hurt you. Uh, I kind of reject that theory that, you know... Well, that's a whole other point. That's all another point. But, but anyway, the point was... I went to this trade show in Washington, D.C. for USAID, and it was all dealing with what you do after there's a, a, a natural or unnatural disaster, uh, for instance, like Haiti or um, uh, Fukushima or all these different places in the world where you have typhoons, and they're absolutely devastating. Once these events happen, there's no infrastructure, there's no water, 
Uh, there's no sanitation. There's no, a lot of times the, the housing is all destroyed. Where do you get food? How do you rebuild a society? Just like and, Katrina. Yeah, like Katrina. And then, or, you know, something almost every week somewhere in the world. Can I say, don't call FEMA? <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. What was the thing about, the, you know, whatever that guy's name was, Brown, you're doing a heck of a job, Brownie, that guy. So anyway, yeah, but so what do you do when everything's destroyed? And so we were talking about food and all these so other things. So this is a conference. You yeah, about. and it was great. Okay. It was huge. People from all over the world, you know, talking about these things. And um, and so here's a guy with a hyperbaric chamber. And I knew very little about it, but uh, I said, you know, what are you, what is this? How does this help a victim? Yeah, I said, what does this have to do, why, why are you at this conference? And he says, well, we saved a bunch of arms and legs in Haiti because one of the FDA-approved uses of hyperbaric oxygen is crush injuries. Let's say something happens to you. You're in a car well, there'd wreck. be a lot of crush injuries in that kind of Absolutely. disaster, wouldn't yeah, there? Yeah, buildings fall on people. And what happens in a crush injury is the vascularity, that is, your arteries and veins are destroyed. So you don't, you're not getting oxygen to your tissues. And so uh, ordinarily what we do is we... Uh, we amputate those extremities, okay? I mean, that's just the normal thing is there's nothing you can do and you, you, the tissue dies and so you amputate it. But in this case, as long as we get oxygen to your tissues, they'll survive, whether it's a heart attack or regardless of what it is. And there's something in oxygen yeah. itself. They did an experiment where they took blood and put it in a hyperbaric chamber and then came back in an hour and... From the blood itself, it was already beginning to grow microvessels. So there's something in your blood itself that stimulates the growth of new blood vessels. So that's another use. Uh, we had a gentleman who came in, an old friend of mine, who had an aneurysm in his splenic artery. And so they did a procedure in Austin where they went through... That's his, a scary word, a procedure. Yes. And, but they went through his uh, femoral vein and up through his heart all the way around to the artery and tied it off. But he had come in here for the days prior to that procedure and done hyperbaric oxygen to get all his tissues fully saturated. And they said he had done better in the procedure than anybody they'd had. And so there are benefits to doing this. circulatory health. Same way we had a, another friend of mine who had a tricuspid valve in his heart, a defect of that valve. He came in and got fully saturated. Uh, I think he was over Presbyterian. He went in on, on Thursday morning after getting uh, a couple of days of hyperbaric oxygen prior to the procedure. Went in, they put him on a heart-lung machine, and he... Uh, he went in Thursday morning for a replacement of the tricuspid valve. They released him Saturday morning, and they said they hadn't seen anybody come in whose tissues looked so healthy and well-saturated with oxygen. He recovered very well. He also didn't suffer any loss of IQ from being on the heart-lung machine, which is a common occurrence. Uh, Bill Clinton's a good example. Um, uh, but anyway, that you do have some loss on the heart-lung machine. Uh, generally, and so hyperbaric oxygen by keeping your tissue tissues saturated uh, really keeps that from happening. That's why it's really important to periodically get your tissues saturated with oxygen. One other thing, by the way, is when the dinosaurs live, because dinosaurs are like birds, they don't have lungs, they have air sacs, which are not as efficient as lungs. Um, 
they couldn't live today. So I'm sorry about Jurassic Park, but it couldn't work because air sacs don't work when the oxygen concentration in the atmosphere has dropped and the oxygen concentration in our atmosphere is dropping, okay, which is not a good sign. What we what, want to do? What do you think we are about 16, 12 percent? No, we're we're about twenty. About twenty. Yeah, and and of course because we're at a mile of elevation, although it's twenty percent, it's twenty percent of less. Okay, so if you go to top of Mount Everest, it's twenty percent of even less, right? The concentration's always the same. It's right. just how much, at what percentage of what? And so at sea level, it's the highest. I guess the most oxygen you can get, except for a hyperbaric chamber, is in the Dead Sea or somewhere that's a couple hundred feet below sea level. But here's the problem. We now have all this other stuff in the air. We have all diesel fumes and stuff from coal-fired power plants and all the rest of it, which um, absorbs oxygen itself as it combines you know, in the atmosphere. So our oxygen concentration is not what it used to be. Okay? And as we cut down rainforests and do all this other stuff, that's also not helpful. That's why you want to have a lot of plants in your office, a lot of plants in your home. Um, be as green as you possibly can because they're generating oxygen and you I've need it. I've been accused of being a vegetable. That <laughs> <laughs> green or, or, or orange or red? or Just a vegetable. <laughs> Just, Just a vegetable. vegetable you know? <laughs> Sounds so, good to me. So, okay, we've, we've got crush, crush, we've got injuries, traumatic injuries to scan. What, what else is the FDA saying it's good for? Well, the ones that are principally used... Uh, the, the main ones. There are, there are 14 altogether, but the ones that you see most common are uh, acute carbon monoxide poisoning, where you're right at death's door, you're bright red, and, and we have a lot of that here in New Mexico because people have heaters and fireplaces that haven't been properly maintained, and they don't even realize they're getting carbon monoxide poisoning. That's a whole other thing. They just feel terrible, or they feel weak, and they think they have fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome. They may just be living in a carbon monoxide-rich environment because their heater hasn't been taken care of, or their furnace, or their car, or you know, a variety of things. Um, so you want to be mindful of that. Or they smoke. Another huge contributor to carbon monoxide poisoning is smoking cigarettes. And I can't tell people how important it is to quit it. Don't Say do that. that. Quit that it. Again. Quit it. Quit today. <laughs> Whatever you have to do, because all kinds of bad things happen to you as a result of smoking, and it's just not worth it. Not and to you, mention the secondhand smoke that you're bringing right. up, There's, and the children that are around, or the other individuals that are around an individual who is smoking. Right, and so they cause things like strokes and heart attacks later on in life. And it may seem like it's very cool right now because you're um, you're going to live forever. You're immortal, and because you're 18 or 20 or something, but that will come to an end, and the quality of your life for the rest of your life will become more important to you, and you will suffer the consequences. You just don't want to do it. But again, it's carbon monoxide poisoning in addition to all the other things that are there, and that means your brain's not going to work as well. You're going to miss a whole bunch of life that you're just not even going to see because your brain's not working right. Well, we've, we've covered the major ones the FDA approves oh. that for. Well, the one the hospitals really like is the diabetic wounds that won't heal because right now they can charge a couple of thousand bucks an hour, uh, up to 3,000 bucks an hour, and the insurance companies pay it. And We it, won't go into why they pay it, right? because that's a whole other podcast. But uh, there's a lot of other, like for instance, stroke. 
Right. It's not approved by the FDR prescribed as far as therapy for stroke, but I know without a doubt is phenomenal. Correct. Um, we're pushing 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, I want to mention Lyme disease too. So I'm going to, that's what I want to do. What do you want to say before we shut up? A couple of things. One is that uh, strokes, it turns out that uh, we used to think that once uh, neurons turn off, um, that they're gone forever. It turns out there's a state called idling neurons. They're not dead. They just don't work. And for some reason, hyperbaric oxygen turns some of these back on. So people do Imagine see... Imagine that. Uh, yeah. Well, it's very startling. Network. When you have someone who's paralyzed and suddenly they get the movement back in their hand, it's quite startling uh, for people who've already psychologically prepared themselves for just being paralyzed for the rest of their life. It's really a gift. And so the other thing is Lyme disease. We have a lot of Lyme disease. And people who have undiagnosed conditions where they think they have uh, MS or fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and all these, a lot of times it turns out to be Lyme disease. So if you're not being able, you're not recovering from something like those things I just mentioned, you should have yourself tested for Lyme. And there's a lab called uh, Igenix. Uh, who does the full test on Lyme. There are other labs that we'll don't. Put, we'll put that in the show notes. We'll get that information so that we right. put in the show but, notes how to Because if you have Lyme disease, uh, you know, it's the cousin of syphilis, only it's worse. And you want to, and you get it from tick bites and, and other things. And you can get it from several things. And so what you want to do is you will, if you're not responding and they think you have one of these other chronic long-term things, you need to get tested for Lyme and make sure you don't. And if you do have Lyme, there are treatment protocols um, involving um, uh, antibiotics, but also another compound called uh, Linea that also removes the coating. The, the, the Lyme critter, I'll call it, coats itself um, with a, a film that keeps the antibiotic from getting to it. So the Someone antibiotic alone... Virus. Exactly right. And so what happens is uh, you need to get with someone who's qualified and understands Lyme disease, but then hyperbaric oxygen in conjunction with those drugs really does good things for you. And we body. understand that we have a lot of Lyme patients. Right. And to my Lyme patients that are listening, alkalize, alkalize, alkalize. Okay. Yeah. So it can be managed, and you can get better, and you can live a full you can turn and healthy it off, life. Is what you can Absolutely, do. That you, you can, can turn do it that. Off. And many, yeah. many, many people have. So it's wonderful to see that that oxygen is a, a real help to that. Is there anything else you want to mention before we shut this puppy down? Well, again, we talked about breathing, <clears throat> but we also here we have. We decided oxygen. we can be as lazy as we wanted to be and just come here. Sure. And we have an oxygen bar here. We also have canned oxygen products. So if you're out exercising, you can take some with you. It's better than stimulants. And uh, also, to the degree you can, you want to stay away from steroids to suppress an inflammatory response. Oxygen, uh, inflammatory response, whether it's arthritis or anything else, is just your body saying we need more oxygen. And more tissue, man. Correct. And so... You can, it's better achieved by getting your body the oxygen it needs rather than suppressing the inflammatory response. So what we're going to do here is, those who want to know more from Link and his wife, uh, drop us a line with our email and we'll come back here and 
interview him again. Link is a wealth of information as well. I'm surprised that he was able to limit himself to oxygen. Because, <laughs> I mean, we got water, we got, oh, yeah. we got uh, <clears throat> ozone, we got, it just goes on and on and on. So, uh, perhaps we'll do that. Uh, those people that are listening, if you'd like to hear more information uh, on these subjects, don't and, hesitate and to drop us off. Cheryl and I will be glad to talk to you about anything, and you're always welcome to come in. Uh, uh, we don't put limitations on trying to help people get healthy. Well, like I, I, I can talk to anybody any, anybody about anything. I may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure <laughs> I can. Well, if we don't know, we can find out. Well, you know, I, sitting here by this uh, bar, you know, the Blarney Stone is you know, <laughs> something I'm aware of. So it's been good having you here. Thanks, uh, Thank you. Cheryl and Link. Uh, yeah. uh, thanks for you guys listening.